This episode is sponsored by Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. Basically, it's free. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and also edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And after which, Anchor will automatically distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with literally no minimum listenership. So it's everything you basically need in a podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started today. Welcome to the Naked Dialogue podcast. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is creative consciousness model that you've created? Okay, um, okay, so it's like, uh, I go to lots of colleges, you know, a lot of engineering colleges and all kinds of uh, universities and colleges to give lectures. And very often I used to ask them, okay, who are creative people here? And I realized that even in engineering, IITs, only five or six boys will raise their hands and almost all the girls would raise their hands. Mm -hmm. So in an auditorium of say 1100 people or 1500 people, only seven or 10 people would raise their hands saying I'm creative. And you can also experiment this, you in a party with your friends, you say, okay, how many people are creative? Mm -hmm. And very few people would raise hands. And you ask them what makes you creative? Then somebody would say, I paint, I sing, or I'm a writer. So what has happened is with the formal education, somewhere we have convinced people that art means creative. Anything which is non-art is not creative. Mm -hmm. So an engineer who builds a bridge is not creative. Mm -hmm. So somebody uh, who makes wonderful roads is not creative. Okay, so creativity has been assigned only to very skilled jobs. But in reality, if you see, um, singing is just a skill. Mm-hmm. Okay, seven notes and you master that art. Painting is about strokes. It's, it's, it can be catalogued, it can be classified. Okay, this stroke, that stroke, that stroke. Writing also, I'm not talking about the soul of writing, but writing also is a craft, you know. Acting itself is a skill, 100% skill after making so many movies, I'm convinced. So I said, why is it so? And I started researching it. So in last four or five years, then I realized that, have you heard of Maslow's uh, pyramid of uh, hierarchy? So I studied that, I know it very well. But then I realized similarly, there are various levels of consciousness in this world. You know, some people are at a a security consciousness. Okay, security consciousness means we came from ice age, so we want warmth. So you need food, warmth and sex. These three things. And you'll find most of this world is centered around that consciousness. People are just worried about food, warmth and sex. Correct? Three things. Then you move up and you sort of bond with each other and you and you are in a party and you are 100 people, you make friends with them and you make a small tribe of yours. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is where most of the world is at the tribal consciousness. You don't, you are not a part of tribe, you live alone, but still you follow the tribe. So tribe is what tribe sim- simply means, tribal consciousness means that the other 
tribe is evil. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Right. The yeah, other yeah. tribe is evil, mm -hmm. and we are the best. And you invent gods. Mm. Okay. This is where you invent. At security level, you don't invent gods. That's why a homeless person has no god. Poor people don't have gods. Yeah. Okay. So at the tribal level, we create these gods. Okay, which nobody knows where they came from, why do they exist? There's no reasoning. Yes, you can intellectualize it, and then they believe in superstitions. Yeah, stereotypes and superstitions. Yeah, yeah, and 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 superstitions. So that is where most of the world is. Mm -hmm. Then slowly you move from there. Then ego consciousness. Then mother nature. Then civilizational consciousness. You know. people who work america works a lot about civilizational consciousness mm -hmm. civilization means building roads bridges this and the whole consciousness is about progress materialism individualism stuff like that then i said when a child is born what are the original uh, faculties which god has given if there is a god okay or whatever in the creation what is child born with what are the facilities child can't walk mm -hmm. child can't talk child can't feed himself or herself child can't do anything child has no consciousness of sex mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. child doesn't know who's my mother who's my father yeah okay yeah. he starts believing in mother the concept of mother because that's the only face he's seeing all the times mm -hmm. okay if i use he it's got nothing to gender because i am a man that's why he comes naturally to me so that's the face okay child is all the time seeing and gets the warmth mm -hmm. but what we do is so child is born with two things which gives what makes us human beings number one the power to breathe that's why you are alive and then power to create that's what makes us human beings mm -hmm. okay imagine human beings without language all your thoughts are coming from language without language there is no thought yes. is there you are a student of psychology i'm asking you I don't think so. Now, if if anything, there is instincts which you talked about at the most primitive level. Anything after that, language is required. Language is required to communicate. So, from go going from primitive to social needs, you need language in order to make like a collective civilization. Yeah. Behind the tribal consciousness, yeah. as you were talking. Yes. So animals also communicate. It's not that they do not communicate. Like and uh, monkeys, uh, when they look up in the sky and make a certain sound, it means a big bird is coming. You know, eagle is coming. So be so all of them go and hide. Uh, in the grass mm -hmm. and when they look uh, in the front and then they uh, make certain sound means a tiger or something is coming then they climb the trees so they communicate with each other mm -hmm. okay but they don't have language they cannot describe whether tiger is coming fast or slow whether tiger is ferocious or it's a tame tiger they cannot say the tiger is the king of the forest mm -hmm. right so they can't imagine they cannot create stories around it mm -hmm. we do We do. Yeah. Why we do? Because we can imagine. We have a faculty which we can imagine, yes. and with imagination we created language. Mm -hmm. Okay, with language we have created philosophy. We have created democracy. We have created human rights, equality. So many good things we have created, and we have also created a tyranny. We have created dictatorship. We have created all kinds of things. You know, so it's all because of our creativity. We are meant to create. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are the only two things. and that's why you see a child uh when a child you leave him alone absolutely alone in a dark room child would cry for some time okay would cry would get scared and within no time 
would would start dismantling things you know playing around with things then the child would create certain characters and slowly will create a world of his or her own okay a world which doesn't exist the imaginary yeah the imaginary yeah that imagination is creativity because from there you create things so all creations are done twice first in your mind and then later on and that is the consciousness where you are never destructive never ever destructive because in imagination you don't imagine that you're going to destroy the world nobody does that mm-hmm. you think of atom bomb and then people use atom bomb to destroy the world oh yeah true. right yeah. so so there is so we are born with creativity mm-hmm. there is a nasa research where they uh, surveyed a whole lot of uh, uh, children five year old children and 98% of them were creative genius only 2% because they were autistic or some kind of uh, they were challenged uh, that's why they were not creative genius then they uh, interviewed the same set of uh, children when they became 10 years old mm-hmm. now the figures came down to about 50% were creative genius and 50% were not mm-hmm. and then when they were 15 years again they surveyed them it's a nasa research is published uh, peer reviewed research so and by this time only 13 uh, 30% were uh, creative genius pardon me for 2 3 percentage here and there and then again they surveyed these uh, students children when they were 20 years old guess what was the figure of creative genius maybe the kids did not perform them right it reversed only okay. 2% remained creative genius 98% became creatively duffers you know why because our education system destroys creativity i agree there yes okay yeah. it because it works on template and education system was created to create soldiers wow yeah no, you're right yeah right yeah so that there's a discipline uniform obeying morning prayers mm-hmm. classes timing curriculum like all scheduling of civilization so all military uh, things and now we don't need soldiers we need corporate slaves so everybody is trained in those things mm-hmm. no school today teaches how to create how to live how to love the three most important things in life nobody teaches that nobody right it's only like um, you know what you call in hindi ratification yeah yeah basically yeah. yeah so all over the world and that's why we have destroyed this consciousness which we naturally are part of hundreds of children you bring from any any uh, any place get from israel get from china get from egypt get from india get from any financial background any cultural background put them together in a room all of them will start creating something yes they will they'll create new games mm-hmm. they'll create new wall paintings mm-hmm. you, they will pluck all the flowers take the petals out and then they will re- rearrange them in a new form or new something they are always inquiring experimenting learning you know optimizing optimizing but as you grow older we say this is right this is right this tribe is good that tribe is bad mm-hmm. so this is what creative consciousness is okay so what i realize that young people are primarily uh, are not creative that they, they don't believe that they can create so ask anybody on the street what do you do who are you they will say i am an engineer 
that's just a role you are playing in your life like you are also father like a son you are a brother that's one of the roles but overall we are human beings means we are creative people we can create anything true by you know? default we are meant for creation yeah. yes so i just want to create that awareness want to bring as many people back to understanding what creative consciousness is no it's a wonderful model like i see a lot of parallels with the hierarchy of needs as well that you mentioned so the primitive consciousness parallel to primitive needs the social needs parallel to the tribal consciousness and then you would say at the top is creative consciousness yeah at the top yeah true no and what what in indian philosophy they call spiritual spirituality but spirituality is so difficult for people to understand because they think it's you have to go somewhere and meditate so creative consciousness is very simple let me define it for you mm-hmm. when you do something with full awareness it's creative consciousness so a carpenter making a chair with full consciousness or full awareness is mm-hmm. creatively it's conscious creatively conscious no it's it's a it's a very cohesive model as well um because uh you know what people would often say about intelligence like people ask what is intelligence and a lot of times people would say it's your capacity to like contain and attain information but it's not uh in true intelligence is your capacity to create actually yeah. because if you cannot create by default you won't be a homo sapien yeah because the reason why we're homo sapiens sapiens is because we're intelligent because yeah. we were intelligent than the other homo yeah. species and everything else um also like uh, you know within this triad even within hindu philosophy uh, even though it seems very dense that there is a darshan which is this insight and vedanta which is this uh, philosophy of ontology so how life is being mm. and what uh, reality and metaphysics essentially is so uh, even in that triad we see like advaita on top and i think that was uh, propagated by ramakrishna and vivekananda yeah. and all of these people so what do you think about him like is there any hindu philosophy like you tend to follow see um i am i'm i'm i write a lot about hindu philosophy but uh, uh all these so called hindus hate my interpretation of philosophy mm-hmm. because the reason is i have not tried to okay two things i did uh in last uh, Seven, eight, nine years—you know. Uh, one, I totally got out of jargons and templates and stuff like that. And second thing, I am totally out of classifications. Okay, I don't like things to be classified. Okay, this is Advaita, this is Dvaita, because there are there there are people who were born at a certain time. They observed something, and you have different interpretations, and that's where creativity comes from. when you can look at the same thing from a different angle that's creative otherwise you, what you're doing you're repeating somebody else's then it's like window shopping yes you know true. and very often in this world in this modern world to look smart to 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 believe that yes we are educated because you spend most of your time going to school college into that regime like a soldier you want the world to to believe that you are educated so what we do is we use lot of references Yes. Okay, this is what a religious person, religious person will quote verse number so and so from Bible or Quran or Gita all the times. But if you are a truly religious person, Buddha never quoted anything. Yeah. Really, Mahavir never quoted anything. Mm-hmm. Jesus never quoted anything. They were the truly religious people you believe in, you follow. They never quoted any text. 
exactly. no scripture mm-hmm. they never even quoted that so and so said this mm-hmm. they created yeah that's what i understood in hindu philosophy mm-hmm. hindu philosophy doesn't quote anything it has no reference yes it doesn't say refer to so and so refer to so and so and believe me because this is the evidence that is the witness so the whole thing is that nobody understood and we are the only philosophy in the world which came with the concept of uh, anekantvad which is the Jain, jainis jainism uh, philosophy jains believe in that mm-hmm. which means there are multiple truths there is no one truth okay okay yeah and when you deny this then you are violent mm, wow violence is not is misunderstood by people that jains think that you should not kill animals mm-hmm. no that's wrong similarly um suppose uh, when you torture yourself you're fasting okay mm-hmm. so somebody who's feeding people forcibly is also violent a mm-hmm. person who's denying food to his own body is also violent mm-hmm. right so anekant your anek means yeah. many so which means that there are many 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 roots to truth there are many truths in this world mm-hmm. and it's impossible for human beings to comprehend how many uh, truths are there so nobody can say this is true yeah there is no capital t true yeah yes. so what you are saying is also true mm-hmm. what i am saying is also true true we are but when we start saying the same thing then it's not true ah i see you got it yeah if you say this is true because vedas said this then it's not true yeah. it's not your truth you have not discovered anything mm-hmm. you speak your own truth yeah creatively right so when you say veda somebody else saw that so Uh, you are just repeating somebody else's words so you don't know anything about truth so get out of here mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that's what i realized so only thing which i believe in is which as because i experience it which is the a mantra from a upanishad which is tatvam asi tatvam asi thou art that which means you are that mm-hmm. so your cell every cell of your body has the same energy which the is equal to the energy of the cosmos and this is now has been proved by quantum physics that the human cell has the same energy as the world Absolutely. the water inside your body behaves in the same manner as the water of the world mm. yeah no that's true yeah. right mm-hmm. the air inside you behaves exactly so we are cosmos but with the education and what society teaches us a child when a child is born no child knows whether child is a hindu or a christian or jew or whatever Mm-hmm. but like we brand we put stamps on a brand apple samsung like mm-hmm. that we put these without child's child never asked you what is god mm-hmm. child is not asking you what is god okay you are feeding into his mind what is god what is god what is god mm-hmm. and restricting a child's imagination and creative power true okay so that's why you have once you believe tattva masi which means you are that we don't know who's that okay mm-hmm. so that infinity when you think oh my god i'm part of infinity mm-hmm. so this i can go anywhere left right center north east west in fact there is not only north east west there can be another dimension and then you explore then you inquire then you experiment with that and that is creative consciousness yeah that's a really cool and really good model because yeah. i also truly believe in creativity i think if like there's a lot of philosophy in the world there's the western school there's the eastern school but i feel like everyone creates their philosophy like one creates their own narrative of life yeah yeah and you're re- correct in saying that we are born into the world um and within seconds we're given this identity this label you know mm. or 
you know from which country you are what religion you will follow like everything is decided upon hmm. which is which should not be essentially the way to go about if you want to be creative yeah and uh, also like during this uh, sensory motor stage of a child's development which is like zero to three years like the child is like relies on the senses to contact and uh, you know discover the world so even in that way i feel like even children are uh, creative lower than three years you know while experimenting with their environment and and in that way they also have this creative capacity and creative consciousness and that you know kind of multiplies into when you get get older you become more conscious and more aware because you're less restricted by your parents because mm. you know that during those years the parents are totally with you everything mm. is directed and then and then I feel like you enter this kind of uh, free will thing where the free will argument comes in. You enter into a contract with the society. So this social contract with, uh, you know, you can refer to Jack Rousseau for that one. Uh, when you enter the social contract is when this dichotomy between morality and ethics comes in. Because now you have to follow this ethical code for like uh, the civilization, the society, how should I be in relation to another citizen? And then there's a morality, which is more individual in nature. Um, and, you know, so this distinction happens. And once you realize that there's ethics and there's morality, and then there's also logic somewhere here, you can creatively, you know, navigate via imagination, hmm. your own models, and that way you're intelligent. And that's what makes you human moreover. So it's definitely very, very cohesive. Um, like since you're also in the filmmaking industry, there's a lot of creativity that requires um, to direct a film, to you know get the specters of the image right and stuff like that. Um, what have you like? Because you you created this amazing movie, The Tashkent Files, and it was very like it seemed like you're you're a really good historian filmmaker. At least that's what came into my mind when I first saw the movie. <coughs> like you're very good at capturing, you know, like mm. the instances and the narrative and everything. Um, what inspired you? Were you like directed at filming that particular kind of uh, film? And like, what inspired you to make this trilogy, right? Because it's uh, Tashkent Files, then Kashmir, Kashmir yeah. Files, and now Delhi Files. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I never planned it. I was, see, there are two kinds of films you can make. One, see, there are two kinds of stories in this world going, floating around. One, the stories people want to hear. Mm -hmm. Okay, now people want to hear Ramayana, so you can tell them hundred times Ramayana, 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 or Jesus Christ. You can tell that story one million times. You can tell the story of Hitler billions of times. People want to hear that story. Mm -hmm. So you keep making films, basically what people want to hear. Mm -hmm. Okay, and people generally like to be in a comfort uh, zone they just want to hear the same thing again and again and again and again mm -hmm. you know even a, when people fall in love a couple they want to hear I love you I love you billions of times you know mm -hmm. um, because people want to be reassured with those stories that's the utility of those stories True. then there are uh, stories which people see something in a new perspective and they tell a new story mm -hmm. right yes. mm -hmm. so like when Ayn Rand started talking about individualism Okay, it was a new story, people were not used to it. When um, uh, Socrates started telling new stories about democracy and why democracy is going to fail, people were not prepared and they said, no, no, kill this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, so lots of people tell stories which people have not heard before. Sometimes they get excited, sometimes they get scared, sometimes, you know, so people react to them. So that's why stories, when you will tell from your point of view, people will react to it. They'll get disturbed. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so there came a time in my life I said I was making big films with big stars. It's easier to make films with big stars, you know, because they sell. Then I said, why am I doing that? There was no advertisement saying wanted directors, you know. I came with my own free will, if I may use the word free will here. It's a very controversial word these days. True. Right? Yes. Because of the politics, it's yeah. suddenly into uh, this thing. You don't want to get into it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't want to get into religious politics. Any other politics I'm yeah. open to. So uh, I came out of my own choice. Let me use that's a better word. So I chose to came here. And I said, why am I wasting time saying the same thing again and again? Okay, hero has to be like this and the, the heroine has to be like this. Mm -hmm. So then I quit and I started teaching in uh, Indian School of Business in Hyderabad. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was teaching a module called I Am Buddha, which I created myself. Okay, I Am Buddha basically takes a lot of Indian philosophy and puts it together for global leadership. I said leadership uh, is not going to be a template base. Then you are, then these hundred students who are coming out, all of them have learned the same thing about leadership. Mm -hmm. So leadership is something you go out in the world and experiment and figure out whether you are a leader or not. And from there this journey started. And I realized that there are so many stories to be told which are Indian, okay, and which are which have no resolution. They have not been resolved. So Shastri was one story. It's not been resolved. Yeah. Kashmir is a story, it's not been resolved. Mm -hmm. Now Delhi Files is a Punjab issue, it's not been resolved. Mm -hmm. So I said, why are we scared to make movies without climaxes? Why we are so fascinated with climaxes? Mm -hmm. That it has to be resolved, that somebody is good, somebody is bad, this, 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 this. So I said, let's take these unresolved stories. Mm -hmm. They require a lot of research. So we got into researching and that's how the journey started. You know, mm -hmm. And that's what we are doing. Kashmir Files also has no climax. Uh, in next film also has no climax, yeah. Which is brilliant because some movies, uh, I feel like, you know, and by the way, there's also this thing that um, psychoanalysis or the psychoanalytic movement that started yeah. in the 18th century yeah. was in a very close relation with the film industry because films are... It started with Freud or Sartre? I would say psychoanalysis with Freud. Freud, yeah. Yeah. With his most important book being Interpretation of Dreams. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like, so the film industry and psychoanalysis go hand in hand because how films, tell me how because films are truly able to capture the psychology of human condition mm. and 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 portray it moreover. So uh, you know, there's so many films uh, that I can talk about. Um, like you take films by you know famous people, uh, like you know Martin Scorsese or like any of their films, like maybe Inception, maybe The Shutter Island. And and you see it uh, from one perspective, but then you realize no, there's another perspective because of the no mm. climax thing. Mm. And so if the movie leaves you thinking in the end, mm. the movie did its job. So that's what I believe in. Like a true movie, a true film mm. is something that should leave the person thinking. Yeah. At least creatively for a good you know good amount of time, and that's how you know you will know that you directed a film that had an effect. Yeah, and I realized it wasn't planned. I realized, see, in India there is a philosophy of uh, drashya, darshak, and drashta. Okay, drashya mm -hmm. means the scene scenario, mm -hmm. and darshak means the observer, the viewer, and drashta is a spiritual level where you observe yourself observing something. You know, mm -hmm. it's a higher level. And I said, normally in movies, uh, there is a gap between the scene and the observer. Yeah. You know, you are seeing it from outside. So if I ask you, what do you see when you look uh, at a mirror? Mm -hmm. What do you see? 
The reflection, I would say. No, you don't. When you look at a mirror, you see the mirror. Ah. It's only when you look into the mirror, you see yourself. True. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, similarly, I said in these movies, the kind of I experimented with, uh, that let, let the observer become the participant. Mm. You say, aha, okay, now let me see. This is how it should move forward. And when you start doing it, then the, the gap between the observer and the observed minimizes. And when that gap minimizes, that's when art begins. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no art before that. Mm -hmm. There's no art. For example, you bandar karte na monkeys. Yeah. No, that's not an art. Mm. Why circus is not considered as art? True. That's very true. No, I right? see the distinction, yes. You know, yeah. it becomes art only when the guy who's painting, okay, mm -hmm. or when Mozart is playing, he becomes those notes, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when the gap is reduced, that's when the art begins. Mm -hmm. So that's what I tried in Tashkent Files, where the audience becomes the participant, which means you just cannot leave the theater saying, aha, movie's over. Actually, movie has just begun because when you are climbing down the stairs, when you're driving your car, you're saying, Achha, what happened? Achha, this is how it should have been. You come to your own conclusions. You create your own climax. Uh, that's so, And I experimented. Everybody mm -hmm. said this will not work. Mm -hmm. There was no songs, no comedy, no action, no violence, no conflict, no relationships. It was only dialogues, dialogues, dialogues in one room, some ugly old fat people sitting and just blah, 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 blah talking, talking, talking. It was so verbose, so verbose. Okay. And it was complex things like politics and, and not regular politics ki, okay, Hindu is bad and Muslim is good and all that shit, you know, not like yeah. that. But it was complex politics, you know. Mm -hmm. It was about Cold War, which most of the younger population doesn't even know anything about. Mm -hmm. It was about KGB, nobody knows about anything about it. But we took that chance. Yeah. And the reason it became the biggest hits of the last year is because people became the participants and they became, uh, they took their story forward. Yeah, they embodied the narrative. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, which yeah. is how a film truly should. It's called open-ended art. Some yes, arts yes. are open-ended. So yeah. this and, open. it, and it allows for more creativity both for the director and also for the yeah. audience. Because yeah. it leaves both of them thinking as yeah. to what really happened yeah. here. So within uh, like film, uh, do you see any kind of like within your trilogy uh, specifically? There's always a, a, f a philosophy and a psychology interplaying together, hmm. which plays on the minds of the audience and also on the part of the people who direct the film. Hmm. So what would you say would be the interplay between philosophy and psychology within your um, movies? Um, I uh, see. I would say that in most of the cases, psychology comes first. Mm -hmm. okay? uh, the first thing is demographics. Okay? A movie without or any story without characters is not a, there's, it's nothing, limbo. Okay. Yeah. Then it's an essay. Mm -hmm. So you have characters. Mm -hmm. Now characters, you have to say, okay, this person, what's the age of this person, lives in Mumbai, lives in London, where uh, married, family, no family, etc., etc. Those are demographics, you know, mm -hmm. tall, short, all those kind of things. Then you get into the psychographics. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so why Bollywood films are criticized is because they never get into psychographics. 
they don't even care rich girl that's it mm-hmm. now all rich girls will behave in the same way they will take out a cigarette drink beer and modern and yappy that's how they look at uh, this thing yeah. they don't get into psychographics they just decide demographics mm-hmm. but you have to have psychographics you know mm-hmm. that's what makes a story interesting that's when you get into psychology so mm-hmm. filmmakers are not psychologists but they at instinct level they understand psychology okay so you get into psych, psych, psycho psychology of the character and that's what determines the conflict of the film mm. you know where you are your psyche is placed and my psyche is placed mm-hmm. that's where the conflict comes in oh yeah okay that's and without conflict there is no drama true there's no drama there's no and without see without drama there is no story mm. okay yeah. and without conflict there is no drama so you need conflict which means two people have to go into opposing directions mm-hmm. Uh, good, bad, evil, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. or whatever a husband and wife a couple story, mm-hmm. okay? And say wife wants to migrate to America, mm-hmm. and the husband doesn't want to because his parents are here. Mm-hmm. They are in love with each other, but the conflict begins, okay? But this is a very demographic conflict. This is not a psychological conflict. It's a situational. Yeah. yeah, psychological conflict is very rarely done in Hindi films, and I would say Abhiman. I don't know if you know that film, Amitabh Bachchan and Jaya Bahaduri. Okay. Okay. So both are sing. I mean, she's a singer from a village, mm-hmm. not trained. Amitabh Bachchan is a very big singer, popular like Kishore Kumar, mm-hmm. and he performs somewhere. He goes to a village, sees this girl, he hears her singing. He says, "Why don't you come to, uh, to Mumbai?" Mm-hmm. and he gets married to her brings her here and says i'll make her a singer and she starts singing and she becomes so popular mm-hmm. right now he has a psychological problem that movie actually you must see it it's so beautifully done one of the best psychological films i would say so that's what psychology comes in then how do you resolve a film mm-hmm. it has to resolve conflict can't go on yeah. that's when philosophy comes in mm-hmm. now which philosophy is going to win in this conflict is what decides the resolution okay a film can be resolved only mm-hmm. when somebody has a philosophy mm-hmm. okay say somebody has a philosophy that everything is fine easy going this is how the world should be you know it's a boundaryless world that can be somebody's philosophy mm-hmm. and somebody can be fighting to protect that local area from invasion of uh, government uh, officers or something like that so i think demographics then psychology and then philosophy now how they operate in our writer's mind i don't know anything can happen like for example in kashmir files yeah okay philosophy came first to my mind hmm. and then everything else worked reverse order i never bothered about demographics mm-hmm. okay they were decided by the philosophy of yeah. the person so the philosophy in my mind was right to justice i said is justice what you get in the court or is justice a human nature true that's a good distinction there and that's very platonic as well yeah yeah it's it's platonic actually yeah, yeah. so so is it the right to justice the theme of the film is uh, like tashkent files the theme was right to truth but yeah. we discovered this philosophy much much later on mm. the whole thing started with that why people don't why this is not resolved this is how it started So demographics came first. There was a prime minister who was popular, who won elections. There was cold war. These are all demographic things. Mm-hmm. Then when we picked up these nine characters, then mm-hmm. everybody had a different psyche. 
everybody yes. had different motive they were doing it for different reasons mm -hmm. and that's why there was so much of conflict and you're arriving nowhere mm -hmm. then came the philosophy that in a democracy do we have a right to truth as the first fundamental principle mm. right yeah right. so that was the order in kashmir files mm -hmm. philosophy came first yeah i said all over the world there are so many persecuted people so many genocide so many uh, ethnic cleansing so so much of i mean this history of human beings is pathetic yeah. there has not not been one single day when we had not been fighting wars true when you give arms to certain people then everybody is weak in front of them and then they do things at their will so i said what is justice are they fighting for justice like in afghanistan whatever is happening right now mm -hmm. is taliban fighting for justice mm. or is america or these western forces fighting for justice yeah where what is justice mm -hmm. so the theme of the film is what is justice even i don't know what is justice i really yeah. don't know what is justice okay but we exploded so what happens is then we got into psychographics so philosophy mm -hmm. then came into psychoanalysis of these uh, things and then from different characters are probing what is justice wow then you have various points of view on justice mm -hmm. okay and now let the audience decide what, what the answer uh, and with this film nobody is going to say okay i am going to follow this person's point of view this person's point of view people will go back and it triggers your own psyche so your subconscious level everything will come out and you will say okay let me figure out for myself what is justice mm. okay i'm not saying that the film is going to give justice to people or people will suddenly become pro justice mm -hmm. but one thing is for sure that it will for some time focus you on justice so in that way it is uh, dealing with your psyche yes not philosophy yeah it's very creative because it allows you to critically think yeah and that's a best execution yeah and i'll tell you sanjana there is a very thin line between psychology and philosophy you know oh, but yeah. they are so interrelated mm -hmm. and my biggest regret with this world is my complaint with this world is i think uh uh philosophy mm -hmm. and psychology should be compulsory all over the world same philosophy and same psychology not hundreds different schools and yes. politically correct things all over the world so that the entire humanity understands at least one thing in the same way like they understand mathematics true true so like one kind of social science which is like fundamental yeah. and same across yeah across because ultimately you don't spend your life living like an engineer or like a president or a, or a, a clerk you ultimately live your life then how to live life that's why see why there is so much a problem in this world is because people don't understand their own psychology they don't understand your psychology we are such a repressed society uh, let me give you one example it's a bold example but such a correct example mm -hmm. i'll tell you where the problems of the world begin why this world is so perverted mm -hmm. it's sexual repression you are a student of psychology so yeah. you have to agree you have no option yeah, yeah. okay freudian, yeah, freudian. Yes. so it begins from there mm -hmm. now a child mm -hmm. plays with his eyes like this no parent objects he puts his hand in his ear nobody objects the minute he touches his sexual parts yeah, a 9 month old child mother goes and does this don't mm -hmm. do that all across the world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay he starts fearing his own sexual organs mm -hmm. which actually if you believe in the yoga in the kundli uh, hierarchy yeah. everything begins from there yes. and because he is so scared mm -hmm. to address his sexual kundli mm -hmm. 
that he can never ever he is never being able to rise above that yeah. because he is not addressed a for apple how will you reach x y z mm-hmm. you know and that's why most of the world is stuck in that perversion most of the things people do you know that in uh, psychology that everything is done out of that sexual uh, uh, force yes drive isn't it yes and all love all empathy mm-hmm. all good things in the world actually begin from there mm-hmm. yes it begins it definitely begins from this fraud yeah. concept if you if you read these modern psychology this uh, lady what's her name lisa brett i don't know what's her name mm-hmm. she's uh, eric's very uh, eric's very good friend she mm-hmm. you know she has written a book seven and a half emotions something uh. and she's very very respectable person highly credible and she's saying that it's everything else is crap you know whatever we do in life mm-hmm. is because of either metabolism or your reproduction uh, that these are the only two things mm-hmm. your mind knows so your mind is making best guesses around these two things very true okay so what you call intelligence is actually coming from there mm-hmm. so it's very important to address these two things you know and that's your mind knows mind doesn't know um, what is empathy or what is good it's just making guesses for survival yes yes so metabolism and reproduction would be the biological basis of psychology so that's what yeah. actually sigmund freud was doing yeah that's what he was doing yeah and like if we were so i created like a triad of psychoanalysis to mm. better understand the analytical part of psychology mm. just not psychology because people think that psychology is just like one thing but psychology has like branches like cognitive mm. psychology then there's psychoanalysis mm. then there's all the other different kinds which are you know mostly modern um but uh, within that triad the ba- main basis is biological so as yeah. freud created 1819th century then carl jung comes here because he took a very collective view of uh, you know psychology in general mm. he created uh, collective unconscious he said that myths and the history of an individual you know why across like all ages also have a deep impact on our unconscious mind so one can think of it uh, in a way that it's not only biological but it's also metaphysical or mystical so that's the kind of psychology he kind of concocted hmm. um and then there's this guy called jack lacan hmm. and he was more uh, the unconscious structure like language the so psychology but language based hmm. so if one is to take all of these three things together that's what psychoanalysis essentially is like yeah. at least a perfect triad of psychoanalysis so we have biological basis as you were saying meta, you know metabolism and reproductory needs that kind of facilitate us mm-hmm. and then we have our uh, mystical kind of thinking as to why are we here ontology we have that kind of psychical basis and then language which is a prime connector of mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. the tribal consciousness as you were mentioning mm-hmm. so it's definitely very very interesting and and and, and let me tell you this uh, okay freud because the western world um published books and they formalized everything but mm-hmm. if you know in yoga mm-hmm. okay patanjali uh, have you heard of patanjali the the father of yoga you know who put all the uh-huh. yoga sutras together mm-hmm. it's called patanjali's yoga sutra mm-hmm. so yoga as is being misunderstood by people is definitely not about asan oh. it has nothing to do with these exercises mm-hmm. absolutely not exercises are just couple of 100 years old mm-hmm. okay whereas this is about 4 5 000 years old so the entire just to give you the gist of it just to summarize it for you the entire yogic science is about it says your mind is like a a lake or a pond mm-hmm. okay if you throw a stone then there are ripples all around 
Hmm. There are ripples, 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 ripples. Hmm. Okay, so you get angry and there are ripples in your mind. True. You fall in love, there are ripples in your mind. You lose your job, there are ripples in your mind. So what we are doing is, all our lives, we are basically addressing the ripples. Yes. We are never addressing what is causing those ripples. True. Okay, this is called vritti. In Sanskrit, it's called vritti. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when these ripples, so yoga is about getting rid of these vrattis, which means reaction to any stimuli. Yeah, okay, now I see it, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And second thing is this whole concept of meditation, that sit like this and all that, this is all, I mean, it's okay, yeah. that's not what they mm-hmm. talk about. Asan, mm-hmm. asan means the most comfortable position. So you're a human objective the mind wants to get into the most comfortable position oh yes true right mm-hmm. but because of these reproductive and metabolic bolic reasons mm-hmm. your mind is always surrounded by ripples mm-hmm. oh because it's animal instincts yeah. that the tiger is going to come okay where will i get the food from so mm-hmm. greed so that possess yeah. okay i have two apples so i one is for lunch one is for dinner she has come she should not steal it mm-hmm. all that so that's how your mind is making guesses whether she's going to steal it or not no she's not going to steal it so i'm going to love her mm. okay uh, my and your wives are telling me you are definitely going to take uh, my apple so mm-hmm. i am angry with you or i hate you or mm-hmm. you know i'm insecure with you so you once you understand this then you can get rid of all those kind of things but what is happening is that uh, human society has repressed the cause hmm. what freud has arrived much later yeah, that sex yeah. is the cause mm-hmm. and you are repressing it mm-hmm. and that's why all the problems are manifested because of that repression true true you got it yeah. so in yoga they say the same thing mm-hmm. and and this whole theory about get out of your comfort zone is bullshit you know it's, it's, yeah. it's actually crap yeah. actually you should get into the most comfortable position Yes, yes, no, I agree that 100%. Yeah. You should be in your comfort state. Yeah. Only when you are most comfortable, then you are rid of anger and all these things. Yes, yes, you find your own position. Uh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. because we are pushing people to get into discomfort zone all the time, and why we, we want them to be in discomfortable position? Why? Because if a soldier becomes comfortable, how will you win wars? If a corporate slave becomes uh, comfortable, mm. then how will you make those six hundred percent profits? That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, these flies. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. No, but uh, yeah, that's very true. Like I, I was also going through, you know, like Alice Huxley was a really, you know, phenomenal um, philosopher, also psychedelic uh, researcher and stuff like that. Um, he gave a speech in Berkeley. Mm. about the weaponization of psychology mm-hmm. that how you know like hitler uh, back in the day was using his voice and the mechanism of media and communication to mass uh, you know kind of take people's mind towards places where it hasn't gone ever so make them violent by via the uh, you know capacity of language manipulation so using language in a way that can have an instinctual effect on others that is far beyond anyone's uh, capacity in general so you know that that kind of like web- so you can use psychology in that way like you can either um learn psychology and follow it the way it is or you can learn it and learn to manipulate it which is weaponization but one can also manipulate everybody has themselves. used it for weaponization mostly you know and fear psychosis is the easiest thing 
easiest yeah. thing. You tell yeah. somebody, oh, there is fear, and everybody gets activated because these mm -hmm. are animal instincts. Yeah. You yeah. know, and very often people say human beings are very intelligent, blah, 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 blah. But at some level, we have not really evolved. Actually, have we evolved? Tell me. What was happening in Buddha's time or Jesus Christ's time is still happening, the same thing is happening now? Yes. Let me give you a very simple example. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a very simple example. Mm -hmm. How do we walk? With our two legs. And we move our hands. Yes. Why do we have to move our hands? It's a, it seems like a voluntary behavior. No. Right? Mm -hmm. No. It's conditioning of your mind which you have not got rid of. Because when we were animals, we used to walk on four legs. So one would go like this, one would go like that. Mm -hmm. And we still are going on with that. Nobody oh, yeah. ever bothered. Mm -hmm. Okay, try a simple trick. You do it actually. You walk tomorrow morning without moving your hands. Suddenly your mind will become calm. Uh, yeah. Try it, actually. Actually try it. Yeah. You walk for 15 minutes with your hands in your pocket or without moving them. You Suddenly your focus will, your consciousness will become different. Your focus will be on your mind. Okay, when you're moving hands like this, you're always prepared to survive to for somebody's attacking. We are going, you know like yeah, that yeah. it's a waste of energy it's got no utility absolutely it's not even aerodynamics mm -hmm. it's only when you're running i understand so like when i was explaining like the weaponization of psychology yeah. with Hitler, um same can be reversed right people can optimize their own psychology and that's when you try to see the limits of your own mind so one thing that i often tell people is um sit down with a pen and paper just like descartes did back in the day and observe everything around you make your own models what is truth what is reality what is my environment how do i feel in relation to my environment what is an object uh, where is my imagination coming from but like construct your own models instead of following others like instead of as you were referring to before like quoting people and referencing things that's the thing that i see within the philosophical circle a lot the second hand literature uh, culture i would call it yeah. um people are not i call it window shopping <laughs> exactly yeah. people are not creating uh, their own philosophies and so it seems as if philosophy in general throughout the western on also here in east is stuck there's nothing new happening mm. because people think they've figured it out but we've never figured it out. There's so there's always that one mystery of that one objective truth, and like so many other mysteries that have so many theories. Mm -hmm. So like like I always tell people to just sit down and make their own models, which is pure creation. Mm -hmm. And uh, hilariously enough, my name also means crea creator. Yeah, that's yeah. why I recognize yeah. myself as a creator because I yeah. feel like I'm better at doing the more creative mm -hmm. aspects of things. Mm -hmm. um, so like how what what is the message that you would give to the young like to the younger people for for being creative for you know staying ahead in life and also just navigating through life you know see first of all thing i think the most important thing is to understand your aloneness hmm. okay aloneness not loneliness aloneness but in modern world aloneness has become such a scary thing but alone word is coming from all one you know all one means all one means whatever everything is one and another thing is uh, this is where I one reason why I really like Shiva's philosophy is uh, you've heard of concept of Trinetra third yeah, eye third of Shiva eye, yes 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 right yeah. so third eye of Shiva uh, is a 
I think such a such a evolved philosophy. Mm-hmm. It should be taught to everybody. Um, you know, your right brain looks at left. Left brain looks at right. Yeah. Right brain controls left hand. Left brain controls right yeah. hand. Your left hand is weaker than your right hand if you are a right hander. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so people are generally lopsided. People mm-hmm. are either to right in political terms also right or left because it's a tribal consciousness we are always need division that this is good that is bad if in india i don't know about the west but in india definitely if child starts writing with the left hand then parents start hitting him they tie their hands they put yeah. some mirchi and spices in his hand so that you don't write yeah. with the left hand mm-hmm. they believe that right hand is the best hand yeah okay so we have converted this world into uh, either yin or yang yes. either feminine or masculine duality duality yes so we are always fighting with that but trinetris when left and right become one mm-hmm. okay that's when you third eye opens and everybody is born with third eye so these are functional eyes you know this yes. eye has a certain function this eye has a certain function yeah okay but when both of them do for the same purpose then you have the third eye that is balancing Mm-hmm. and which is why you'll see all ancient uh, arts mm-hmm. uh, be it kung fu or yoga or um, whatever arts are there in the world physical uh, arts all of them have balancing exercises mm-hmm. all of them are about balance and coordination yes yeah. okay so the biggest problem with the world is that it's imbalance and because of the imbalance there is no creativity mm-hmm. so that is part 1 okay now i'll tell you part 2 and i'll connect that and the second part is um the 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 cosmic dance of shiva which is called the tandav nritya yes. if you go outside the atomic center in switzerland the first statue outside is shiva in his cosmic dance why why have they picked up that pose of shiva and not him sitting like this because the cosmic dance of shiva is what we discovered after thousands and thousands of years Uh, a branch of science called quantum physics oh wow okay yeah. in quantum physics earlier they thought okay here's a particle let me make it simple here's a particle this particle is here so i see the particle it's here mm-hmm. but quantum physics figured out i'm seeing this particle here but actually this particle is not here it's somewhere else yes yeah okay when i think it's somewhere else it's here so when you are there you are not there when you are not there you are there mm-hmm. which means earlier it was just uh a uh, a straight line mm-hmm. okay but then say it's also a wave particle is also a wave it's not just a particle it's also a wave it's also so wave. right which means what you are seeing mm-hmm. is not actually what is there yes and what is there you are not seeing mm-hmm. you know it's complex that's why i'm trying to make it simple so mm-hmm. uh, so let's forget science let's come back to philosophy so similarly in shiva's tandam nrutya in his cosmic dance when shiva is there he is not there shiva is not there he is there mm. yeah i see it i see you it. understand yeah i completely see it yes okay okay now let's make it simpler mm-hmm. what does this mean that when he is creating mm-hmm. at the same time shiva is destroying that and when he is destroying he is creating so creation and destruction are one actually mm-hmm. you can't see them as two different things Oh, yeah. every single right now as we are talking new cells are being formed in your body mm-hmm. but at the same time they are also destroying old cells 
so if nature is so smart mm-hmm. if nature is so smart mm-hmm. okay but human mind mm-hmm. either constructs or, or destructs yeah. we think these are two different things but they are not they are the same process and when you understand that mm-hmm. that's when you find your trinet and you become shiva then you become god and mm-hmm. that's exactly what i told you in the beginning thou art that you are that god which god are you looking at and if you are really an intelligent person you should keep destroying these gods all the times and keep creating new gods for yourself yes that's very beautiful yes so this is uh, what i actually practice i am not just preaching this is what i practice i believe mm-hmm. in and that's why my mind is so open mm-hmm. see normally you can't see beyond this you can't see your own hands here yes this is your limits this is your limit mm-hmm. this is how limited we are yeah the 180 we have no yeah. awareness mm-hmm. besides this yeah. that's why when you are fully aware mm-hmm. as i am talking to you mm-hmm. i am also fully aware of what's happening in my body Mm-hmm. what's happening to each pore of mine mm-hmm. and what is happening with these boys without looking at them what's happening mm-hmm. behind me what's happening outside yeah. and as you expanding it i'm not saying we are superhumans but we also become part of a huge cosmic awareness mm-hmm. small part but yet a part otherwise you're not even a part you are just lying there outside mm-hmm. without any control over it that's creative consciousness that's that's extremely extremely beautiful like by the way your point of like seeing something but you're not actually seeing something it's um so there's a neuroscientist called anil seth and his uh, book being you is main thesis i haven't i have not read this book okay you should definitely okay, i, I highly no, recommend I will, yeah. um because its thesis is essentially that we we always have controlled hallucinations so whatever we're perceiving let's say if this is an object is not what it really looks like because it's our imagination which is rendering the image of this object. Yeah. So again one of the points that you made earlier the about imagination constructing the reality. Yeah. And that's also what Sartre uh, talks about yeah. his imaginary. Yeah. So it it's actually perceptual consciousness that can maybe like at least in what I think for now and what is you know shared amongst many intellectuals at the moment is that maybe the the perceptual consciousness or sensory modalities can solve the hard problem of consciousness which is why yeah. you have your uh, subjective reality i have my subject like you have your own narrative i have my own narrative and um so you know this this thing that you were talking about it's completely like in thesis now people are talking about because it makes all the sense that, that there is an external physical reality which is not accessible to us yeah and also about, about your point of reaching stability um i would call it homeostatic psychosomaticism mm. so like stable mind and body mm. would open your third vision and like this third vision is also kind of like connected to the card's pineal gland yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that so it's it's very very creative your model of creative consciousness Um so yeah no uh thank you so much for coming in. Uh I really enjoyed this conversation because it was thorough and it was real. Okay. So when you say thank you? Yeah. Okay, it has got no meaning unless I accept it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I'll accept it only once you if you make one promise. Okay. Whenever you are in Bombay, yeah. Come and do a podcast. It's great talking to you because you're very smart, bright uh, mind you so much, yeah. and you want to learn that's the best thing. Yeah. And you didn't give me any vibes that yes, I know. So I don't know. First principle. I, I don't know. know. That's my principle. Yes. Too yeah. good. Yeah. But, but that's that's when the creativity begins. That's exactly when the creativity so begins. So we don't know. <laughs> we don't know anything. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Sanjana. Yeah.